Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. And I'm not, I'm also, I want to make it clear that I'm not here saying, oh, there shouldn't be any type of gun control put out there. I'm actually a big advocate for gun control. So I do want to state that before we go any further. You're listening to Absurdity with Ryan Becker, the podcast where we embrace the absurdity of everything. From here, we can move conversations forward by learning how to communicate effectively, listen intently, and love patiently. Welcome to Absurdity. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to Absurdity. My name is Ryan Becker, and I'm so glad you are joining us this week. Uh, this is a very special episode. I have a really good friend of mine from my childhood on to talk about guns. Now see, I've had a problem for years where I don't know how to have a good conversation about guns. And the reason being, I don't know a whole lot about them. The only guns I've ever shot in my life are paintball guns and airsoft guns. And I have had the police called on me for it. You'll hear me mention that later. Uh, because airsoft guns tend to have a more realistic look to them. And so when you're running around your neighborhood with real-looking guns, people tend to call the police. Um, but other than that, I've had no experience with them. And so there's this heated conversation going on about gun control and guns across the country. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there because there are people that are simply uninformed or misinformed. So uh, Austin, I've known since early, early childhood. My older sister used to babysit him and his younger sister, and I used to just go over, so she would technically babysit us all. He's a year older than me, uh, and so and we also went to grade school together. He was a grade ahead of me always, but um, I've known him since I was probably like five or six years old, and uh, all the way up through high school, we were at the same school, and then after that, we kind of split. But uh, he and I, one time, our, our kind of claim to fame is during a uh, incident that happened with his senior class in high school, uh, he and I got into a huge Facebook argument that went over 300 comments, and back in 2010, that or actually it was 2009, that's a pretty significant accomplishment, uh, and uh, we ended up getting Facebook banned on our high school campus because uh, kids were skipping class to, to read Facebook and, and to catch up on the argument that we were in. It was a pretty heated thing, and so there was, for a while, uh, even with me, there was a time where I was unsure if we were still friends, um, but naturally over time, everything kind of cooled off, and 
and we're fine now. We're, we're good friends. And, and I love to joke with him and a couple others on Facebook whenever I get the chance. But Austin is someone I have a massive respect for. He, uh, when I asked him just a couple weeks ago, I was like, hey, would you be willing to have a conversation with me about guns? Because I don't know anything. And because I operate in a sphere where I have influence and I have leadership, it's really important for me to know. So this is the result of that. He was willing to come on and talk with me about it. And so what you're going to hear is Austin's experience with guns and kind of his thoughts on it. And so if, if you if you have some misconceptions or you want to know more about guns, this is the episode to learn a bit. Now, before I jump in, there's a couple warnings I need to give you. Number one uh, is a trigger warning. We do mention both racism and rape in this episode uh, as examples, not as the main topic of discussion. But I do want to let you know that they do come up very briefly and so if you are sensitive in either of those areas, this is your warning. They come out in the uh, latter half of the episode. Um, the other thing I want to let you know, for some reason, Zencaster is the program I use to do recordings remotely, uh, and it's been having some issues lately. So uh, on Austin's track, you might notice some clicking noises. That's not him. That is the audio itself, and I don't know why it did it. It didn't happen when we were recording, but when I checked the file, it was like that. So sorry for that. Bear with us with that. Um, it hopefully won't be that distracting for you. Um, and lastly, Zencaster has also been having some audio drift issues, so I had to manually line things up. And so there might be a couple like little reaction things where I go, yeah, or hmm, that you might notice is seems a little out of place. That just means I missed it. But really excited for this conversation despite some of the audio issues, but I wanted to be upfront with you about them. So here is our conversation with Austin Holloway. Hey, Austin, thank you so much for coming on Absurdity. Why don't you go ahead and tell our audience just a bit about yourself? Yeah, Ryan, I appreciate you having me, and it's good to talk to you again. Um, well, again, my name's Austin Holloway. I'm actually a financial advisor. I'm 26 years old from Orlando, Florida, and uh, I'm here to tell you a little bit about guns. Awesome. So what is your background with guns? Well, I uh, grew up shooting guns, everything from 22s to up in the bigger calibers out there. Um, I've been a concealed weapons permit holder since I was 21 years old. I actually carried a firearm every single day for about three years. Um, I can field strip them. I've bought guns, sold guns. I've built guns, um, everything in between. Typically, I'm the guy that most of my friends come to when they're looking for gun advice. Awesome. So we're going to talk about guns. And the reason I have you on is because when I look at conversations online or, or I see things um, you tend to be one of the more reasonable voices. And when I say reasonable, I don't necessarily mean like, oh, you come with this wisdom that no one else has, but rather your demeanor. <laughs> your demeanor <laughs> is, is, is what I'm looking for because that really helps me when I try to have these conversations. Um, because basically what I want to do today is, is uh, get educated a little bit more so that I can form better opinions on this topic of guns and gun control, gun reform, all those. Um, so we're going to, we're going to, just dive right in. What do you think are the most egregious misconceptions about guns? Um, I'm going to start by saying calling any type of, like a specific type of firearm, a, an assault weapon. I hate that term. Um, an assault rifle. Um, the term stopping power, I think, needs to be done away with, saying that one gun has more stopping power than another type of firearm. Um, I also think the gun show loophole is a big one that a lot of people have no idea what that actually means, but they've heard the term thrown around. 
Um, people think, hey, AR stands for assault rifle. Actually, it stands for Armalite rifle, the company that originally developed the gun. Um, there's a whole, the list can continuously go on and on and on, but I, I truly think the biggest misconception of something is uh, anything with assault in the name. Okay, great. So can you can you give us some information on that? What is an assault rifle or assault weapon? You know, do you know where that term came from? That yeah, kind of so an assault rifle is actually a thing. An assault weapon is uh, any weapon you use to assault someone with. So um, Ryan, you know, you and I went to school together growing up. And if I were to walk up to you and stab you with a pencil, I would think that pencil is an assault weapon. Um, I, I hate that term. It's kind of a it generalizes anything. It's It's not that I'm saying, hey, there's no such thing as an assault weapon i think by the definition of a weapon it could use be used to assault someone but an assault rifle is really what does kind of uh, i agree with the term but i disagree with the way that it's used people tend to use the term assault rifle to describe um, any firearm that doesn't have a wooden stock essentially so generally we're talking you know ak-47s ar-15s m4s m16s um, any anything out there like that right so what makes a weapon a true assault rifle, and feel free, listeners, feel free to you know tab out and open up another tab and Google this, but an assault rifle typically is fully automatic. So that means you, you've got safe mode, you've got single shot mode where it's I pull the trigger and it, every time I pull the trigger it fires, but then you've also got where I can just set it to that third mode, hold the trigger down and it just continuously burst fires. Um, by definition, it's going to be an intermediate caliber, typically something that's um, 308 or larger. For listeners that don't really understand what a caliber is, that just means it shoots a bigger bullet, essentially. Um, it's something that typically the military would actually use. These are usually not available for civilian ownership. Um, typically, in order to own anything that's truly fully automatic, the gun actually has to be made prior to 1986. I believe the month is actually May of 1986. And it's about a year-long process to go through. It involves setting up corporations, trust, and paying tax stamps and everything like that. Um, the cheapest uh, fully automatic firearm, I believe, that you can own is a, a Mac 10 or Mac 11. And it's going to run you about eight grand. Um, if you actually wanted to own a, a fully automatic AR-15, it's going to run you about $30,000 in about, uh, like I said, about a year's worth of paperwork. Wow. So yeah, there is, there is a lot of red tape to get some of these deadlier weapons. So mm -hmm. when we talk about, I say deadlier, I guess, bigger weapons. Um, yeah. so when I, t when, when the nation is talking about guns or guns that are typically used in like mass shootings or whatever, um, what tends to be your opinion when we talk about those bigger guns? I know this isn't yeah. a question I sent you, but yeah, what, what, how, do, how do you, process some of this stuff yeah great question actually so and i'm not i'm also i want to make it clear that i'm not here saying oh there shouldn't be any type of gun control put out there i'm actually a big advocate for gun control so i do want to state that before we go any further but um and i'm not saying that as a joke there's a joke going around that says oh i'm all for gun control you know always hitting your target and controlling the gun i'm not that mm. type of person but um as far as the mass shooting guns go honestly i think that uh you know, when you look at movies, you look at video games, typically an AR-15 or an M16, M4, one of those, I'll, I'll, I'll use the term military style firearms. I think that's a fair term. It does look like it and it operates in a similar way. Uh, those are generally what you see in the movies. I almost, I almost want to say they've been, uh, 
you know, they've kind of, they've been given a sexy appeal to them, right? People see them and they go, oh, I like that gun. It holds a lot of rounds. It's easy to shoot. I, I look cool. And they, they kind of get this idea in their head that oh, I'm going to be a Rambo and I'm going to do this, or I'm going to, I'm going to show those people. Um, I will be honest, you know, for these school shootings, if I had the choice, like I'm going to put myself in the crazy person's shoes here. If I had the choice between a bolt action rifle that held five rounds and a you know semi-automatic rifle that holds 30 and my pure intention is to harm as many people as possible, you know, regardless of the caliber of the weapon or anything like that, which do you think I'm going to go with? Yeah. <laughs> uh, not, not only that, but they're not the most expensive guns. I mean, the first firearm I ever built was an AR-15 and I, I believe I built it from from scratch, and it cost me, I, I believe the exact dollar amount was $499.50, including tax, registration, anything like that. So I, I think that the reason why that, those guns are chosen is because people see them in other situations, and it's, it, they do have kind of a cool factor to them. Um, I don't think anyone's doing a mass shooting with them because they think the gun is fun to shoot. You know, I don't think that's why anyone does it. I hope that's not I hope no one ever does a mass shooting going forward. But I just yeah. think that um, you know, the capabilities behind them, regardless of the caliber, is it's just they're very easy to get a hold of. I mean, I think someone could do the exact same damage with a a revolver or a semi-automatic pistol, regardless of the caliber. I mean, if you're if you're getting shot, getting shot is getting shot, and no one's ever happy about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I have a, a friend of mine who used to shoot professionally and and they said that, you know, if they were going to do the same thing, if they were to, as you say, put themselves in the mind of a killer, they'd walk in with a shotgun mm-hmm. um, because that'll do the most damage up close. So there's there's all this there's so many, I guess, different options out there um, that, yeah, I guess it makes sense to go with what is the most popular or what looks the coolest. Um, that definitely makes sense. Um, yeah. I'll, now, I'll, do that you think, before we go to really quick too, it's kind of the same notion of uh, I'll I'll throw out there the AK-47. When you see over in the Middle East, that's typically the gun that the terrorists use, but it's not because that's the best choice for them. It's just the re- most readily available for them. Um, it's just yeah. that's why the military uses the uh, I believe now they're using M4s is because they're just they're cheap, they're mass produced, and they're readily available. But I'm sorry, keep going. No, no, that's fine. So, so when, when, if I wanted to go get an AR-15, what, what would I have to do? So you're up in, you're up in South Carolina, right, Ryan, or North Carolina? Correct. Yeah, Yeah, South Carolina. Gotcha. Technically. So I'm down here in Florida. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on South Carolina's laws, but I will tell you in the state of Florida, it's, it's pretty easy. And I'm going to say, you know, technically you're a Southern state. So I'm going to assume it's uh, about the same. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk now and I know Florida's in the process of making it illegal to purchase any type of um, any type of firearm if you're under the age of 21 but you're over 21 so let's say that doesn't apply to you uh, you are going to walk into the store and you're going to point to the one that you want and um, you'll probably pick up something that's in the $500 range and what they're going to do is they're going to say okay fill out this form it's a standard federal firearms purchasing form I forget the exact number on there feel free to google that um, firearms purchasing form uh, 4473, something like that. It's got, it's a four digit number. Um, but you fill it out. It basically asks you, what's your name? What's your date of birth? Fun fact, you don't even have to put your social on it. Um, any firearm I've ever purchased, I did just because what they do is they take that form and then run a background check on you. So you can see putting your social is going to make the background check easier for you, but it's not required for it. 
Gotcha. Uh, some 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 places, and it's been some places will take your fingerprints in some states. Some states won't. Um, anytime I've ever bought a firearm, they've taken my fingerprints up until I got my concealed weapons permit. Then they no longer took those because um, going through that process, I actually had to have my fingerprints submitted to the FBI. Um, so basically, though, you're going to go up. You're going. They're going to do that. It's going to take maybe ten to fifteen minutes um, for the entire process, from you pointing the gun to them ringing you up, submitting the background check, it coming back because this is a long gun, um, and then you're going to walk out of the store with the firearm. Um, if you were to do that same process and you were to buy a, a revolver or a, a pistol, any type of um, like semi-auto pistol, single shot, anything that's a handgun. Um, most states do have a weight on that. I don't know what South Carolina's weight is. In the state of Florida, though, if you do not have a concealed weapons permit, it is a three business day weight. So that means if I went in to purchase, um, I don't know, a brand new Glock, and um, I said, you know what, it's Monday, I would not be picking that up until three days later. Now, I have my concealed weapons permit, so I guess I'm different in the eyes of the government. I could actually walk in, buy it, and walk out the same day. But for someone like you, Ryan, there would be a three-day wait on that. Gotcha. Oh, wow. Way to just assume I don't have a – I'm just kidding. No, I don't. I definitely no, don't. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, legit, I've never fired an actual – I've fired paintball guns, and I've had the cops call on me because I was firing airsoft guns in my neighborhood before because uh, those look real. So, But outside of that, no, I've never, I've never fired a, an actual gun. So really, it's really hard for me to just come up with an opinion on this stuff because I just don't know. Um mm-hmm. So in your opinion, if you based on what you just told me, do you think that AR-15s and, and long guns like that should be that easy to get? Or do you think they should be harder or with a wait period? So that's where I kind of uh, – so I've kind of seen very pro-gun coming up to this as someone that's owned them, fired them, built them, and everything like that. And this is where I, I tend to really um, piss off gun owners because I absolutely do think that they are too accessible to anybody. Um, depending on certain states, there's rules out there where I can buy it from a private sale and there's no background check that's required or I can be gifted it from a family member, gifted it from a friend if I wanted to. Um, there's so many ways around it. And I, that's kind of where the gun gun show loophole comes in that I talked about earlier. I'll touch on that in a little bit, but, um, I absolutely think it should be, I don't want to say harder because I feel like, I feel like that implies that you're going to have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get some type of firearm, but I don't think it should be this easy at the same time to just walk in and walk out. I think a really good way to get around it is a, a more thorough background check. Um, in some states, here's a fun fact for you that this will probably make a lot of listeners' mouths drop open. In some states, if the background check co- does not come back within a certain period of time um, and you're buying a long gun, even though it hasn't come back good or bad, you're actually – the store owner is allowed to let you leave the uh, premise with the weapon and assuming nothing bad happens. If something does, ha- pa- something does happen and you show up to be like a criminal or something, um, they'll give you a call and ask you to come come back with the gun. But I mean – if that's the case, I don't. I don't think you're. Uh, I don't think you're going back. Um, hey, person who doesn't follow the law, would you mind following this law? <laughs> like- exactly. So, um, I I don't know what the right answer is out there, but I certainly don't think that what we have is um, is appropriate. You know, I'm a I'm a full blown supporter of wait periods. I'm a full blown supporter of you know, like take fingerprints. Um, hell, do a do a social media background check if you want. I mean, I think that I don't necessarily believe in some type of registration because, and this is where the pro-gun people will agree with me, I do believe that registration leads to confiscation. Um, If you don't believe me, look at the state of California. Um, 
so I'm not necessarily for that, but I, I think there should be some type of like maybe a local police in your, in your county. Maybe when you purchase a firearm, they have to do a, a check with them as well. I don't necessarily agree with having like the, the chief law enforcement officer like signing off on everyone. Cause if the, if the Clio for that town says, you know what, I'm just not pro gun. I'm not going to sign off on anybody. That's their choice. Um, but I think, you know, a, a week waiting period, a three day waiting period for long guns. I'm totally fine with it being a, uh, you know, 21 and older, I guess I'm, I'm 26. So that doesn't really apply to me, but I think where we, where we really need to step our game up and I'm going to speak for a, from a national standpoint here, not even a state, a state thing. I think it should be a federal law that any single firearm sold in a private sale should go through an FFL. That's a federal firearms license. So that basically means a, a store owner. So Ryan, let's say you lived in the state of Florida. I know, you know, you and I have known each other for forever at this point in time. And yeah. let's say you moved down here and you said, Austin, I want to, you know, sell me one of your guns. Um, I could legally hand you a gun and you hand me money and that's it. That's it. That's all we have to do. I don't, I just assume you're a good person. Here's the thing though. You and I know each other, Ryan, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume you're not a felon. Um, Correct. Okay. So there we go. Ryan has told me he's not a felon. That's all the due diligence. I technically don't even have to do, but I've done some due diligence. Now, there's websites out there. One of them, actually, you know what? I won't use the uh, the website's name for uh, legal reasons, but there's a website out there that's it's kind of like a Craigslist for firearms where I can go on there, list a firearm that I have for sale and go meet up with a total stranger um, and sell them the gun. And I go through the same process that I just described with you. That is where I have an issue. Um, I think every single firearm sale should have a background check, even if I'm wanting to sell it to you, Ryan, which how do we track that? Um, it's kind of hard to do. And that's where I kind of contradict myself by stating, well, I mean, if you're transferring a gun to someone, maybe it should be registered in some way, shape or form. Maybe it is with a registration with your local county. But again, I, I'm, I don't really like that personally. So I'm on the fence. I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is to that, but I think it should at least be a law that says, if you want to sell a gun to someone else, you have to go through an FFL. It's not a hard process. In order to do that, Ryan, basically what you and I would have to do is uh, we'd go down to our, um, I'll give a shout out to a local store here, Shoot Straight. We can go over there. We go up to the counter and say, I want to sell my gun to him. They pull out their records. They run a background check on you, Ryan, uh, making sure that you're okay. Um, I think they should run a background check on me and make sure I haven't committed any felonies since owning that gun. And then that way, both of us are clean. And then we can both essentially transfer the money. They'll typically collect a fee of maybe, you know, 15, 20, $25 for it. And we move on from there. I absolutely think that would be appropriate. And that now makes every single firearm sale, transfer and gift have a background check associated with it. Gotcha. Because currently you don't have to do that. And on that same note, I know I'm really rambling on on this topic, no, but uh, on that same note, the term gun show loophole, it derives from this. So people assume that if you're at a gun show, you can buy any firearm at that gun show without a background check. Well, that's false because the people at gun shows selling firearms are actual stores, they're dealers, they're required by law to actually perform a background check on you. On the flip side to that, though, if I just Austin Holloway was at a gun show and wanted to sell you, Ryan Becker, a firearm. 
I could sell it to you, whether it's on the gun show like property or somewhere else. Maybe I just met you there, right? Um, I can sell it to you without a, without a background check. Most gun shows nowadays, though, actually prohibit private sales on property while the gun show is in progress. Um, so actually, they have, quote unquote, tightened up on the gun show loophole, even though it's not really a thing. But um, Ryan, I mean, you and I could just go next door and do the sale right there. I mean, I've, I've sold a gun to a friend in a public parking lot, for instance. <laughs> um, you know, it, yeah. it can happen anywhere. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And that, I didn't know that about the gun show loophole. I didn't realize that. Um, I really thought that you could just as an individual, like say I had a huge collection of guns I wanted to sell and I could, thought I could just like get some booth space at a gun show and sell that. That's what, like, that's what the kind of the, the picture you get is when you look at news articles or photos of gun shows, that's just kind of like, you know, that's just the image you get. Um, but understanding that those are all dealers that, that kind of does change things mm-hmm. a bit. Um, when when we talk about registration or, or, or registry, are you talking like a digital list that the that you know the police station or there's some sort of state registry that every gun owner's name is on? Is that is that so? What a lot of people want with a registration list is essentially so all guns have a serial number, and what they want is they want a list of all serial numbers and then like what type of firearm it is, who owns it, and then their address. Um, supposedly. Supposedly, there's no list out there of this, but I'm going to go. And again, this is where I kind of take the middle ground here. If they're performing a background check on you, whenever you purchase it from a store and they know they're performing a background check on you because you're buying a firearm, you're telling the government Austin Holloway is buying a firearm. Here's the serial number for the firearm at this store location. By the way, here's his address. Um, every single gun store also has to keep, again, I don't remember the name of that form, but they keep those on file in case the gun ever gets tracked back to the store. They can see who purchased it, but that's a, a private registration list. Now, if the government comes out and says, Hey, it's now law that everything has to be shown out in public. Um, that's, you know, what can we do? That's now law. Um, so that's why I say I'm a, I'm against the idea of a registration list because I do believe that if the government decided that they wanted to start taking guns away, they would because they'd have a list of who owns it. But gotcha. at the same time, they already kind of have that list, whether people want to believe it or not. So again, I'm very, I do understand I'm contradicting myself whenever I say this, that I don't want the list, but I also understand it probably exists, but I like to tell myself it doesn't. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I guess uh, ignorance so- is bliss. Um, I'm hitting you with a few questions that are off script. Um, and listeners, normally I send an outline ahead of time so that they can prepare. But, um, when we talk about, um, when we talk about some of this stuff, like the lists and, um, I know that there, there are two things right now that I think are prevented, right? So number one is no list or no, no files can be kept digitally. Is that correct? Like most of it's done by paper. Is that true? I don't, I, I mean, um, I know that there's something about uh, about files having to be kept on paper. Yeah, um, honestly, I'll let you. I'll let you know. I'm not an expert on that. I do not know the answer okay, to that, fine. but I can. I can answer it with a. Uh, this is how I've purchased guns in the past. I have filled out paper forms, and I have filled out um, the actual form itself. Uh, again, I can't remember the name of it, but I have filled it out on a computer. Uh, that being said, I assume because I did fill it out on a computer and did not physically sign something, I did have physical fingerprints, but I did not physically sign something. Uh, I assume uh, they were keeping a digital list of that. Uh, that was actually um, Gander Mountain that 
kept the digital list of that. So um, I, I would assume that they it's okay to store digitally. I'm also going to assume that that probably is a different rule by state, even though it's a federal a federal form. But I'm I'm not going to pretend to know the exact answer to that. Gotcha. I appreciate the honesty on that rather than just pulling something <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, that's fine. Um, so, okay. So let's kind of shift gears here because I know the second amendment is, is, you know, the, the core of this kind of this topic. Um, what do you think of the second amendment's relevancy in, in today's society, I guess? So I absolutely think, uh, again, being pro gun, I do believe that the second amendment does have a huge relevancy. Uh, does that mean I think that we should be able to own um, fully automatic weapons? No, but I also don't think we should completely do away with it. I don't think we should do away with semi-automatic weapons. Um, and notice I'm calling them weapons, not just firearms. Um, but mm. at the same notion, I, I do think there is a limit. Most people that own guns will tell you, well, I should be able to own any type of firearm. It shouldn't apply to me, right? Well, I mean... I don't want my neighbor to own a grenade launcher. Um, <laughs> no, nor do I think I should own a grenade launcher by that notion. You know, uh, I, and technically, I mean, we can, it's a destructive device and that's just almost, it's impossible for us to get a hold of in theory. Um, you know, I think that semi-automatic firearms are fine. I think, you know, anything that's a bolt action, I don't think we should limit calibers of firearms. Uh, you know, I, I do think there is a relevancy to it to the same point that I think we should have freedom of speech to the same point. I think there should be amendments in there for health care. I think there should be an amendment in there that says, you know, hey, everyone has the right to drive a car until it's taken away from them. Uh, things like that. I, I do think there is relevancy, but I, I don't think it's to the the extent that a lot of people like to say it's to. So then do you think that the 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 attention that gets drawn towards guns after a mass shooting, do you think it's warranted? Do you think it's somewhat warranted? Do you think it's not warranted at all? Well, you know, I think that uh, I don't believe that guns kill people. I think people kill people in the same way. I don't think that, um, you know, alcohol causes people to kill people in drunk driving accidents. I think it's the person's choice to drink and then they make a poor choice after that. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, um, you know, I, I saw a great example of this on uh, on Facebook the other day. Um, shout out to my girlfriend for actually sharing it with me. It said, uh, you know, if there's a kid and they have a stick in their hand and they're beating another kid with the stick, do you blame the stick? Do you blame the kid? What do you do? Well, you blame the kid, but you take the stick away, right? I think that's a great example mm-hmm. here of, well, if someone shoots up a school, you don't blame the gun for shooting up the school. You know, I've got guns in my safe right now that aren't that have never or nor will they ever shoot someone. And if I were to go absolutely crazy or commit a felony or something like that, first of all, I'd be out of a job. My girlfriend would leave me, my family would disown me, so I've got bigger issues there. But if that were to ever happen, I should absolutely have my guns taken away from me. Mm-hmm. If I was to ever, you know, heaven forbid, if I was to ever do any type of harm to someone in it like purposely, right? If I get in a car accident because someone rear ends me and I move forward and rear end them and they get hurt, I don't think that's the example here. But if I were to ever purposely harm someone, I should absolutely have that right taken away from me. Um, But that being said, you know, I I don't think it should be going back to a previous question earlier. I don't think it should be as easy for anyone to get the type of firearms that are generally used in a mass shooting. Um, You know, I think it was a, what is it? Um, the senator was in Arizona several several years ago 
that was um i think it was a, a glock the guy came in a handheld pistol and he was shooting up the uh the government building that was it Gifford griffin i think you know who i'm talking about um yeah yeah so the only reason why that shooter was stopped was because yes he did have to drop his magazine and he was fumbling to reload it and someone tackled him right so that kind of comes into the the debate of well if we capped magazine capacity would that affect anything well i don't think you know this standard pistol can hold anywhere from a couple of rounds up to i i have a 33 round magazine for one of my guns um that being said do i need a 33 round magazine no i don't you know it's actually pretty gaudy it's obnoxious (laughs) it makes the gun heavier it's it's just if i'm it's literally just for fun anyone that says there's a practical reason for that in a pistol is is dumb. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, that's fair. You know, that's fair. People like to talk about, well, AR-15s, they were designed for 30-round magazines. Actually, do some research. They were designed around a 20-round box magazine. Fun fact. Um, back whenever, you know, I believe it was Eugene Stoner, whenever he designed it for uh, the Vietnam War, it was actually a 20-round box magazine. And originally, it was designed in a, a larger caliber, 308, and then they, they dumbed it down to a 5.56 caliber, so it was less recoil and all that, and the rounds were lighter. And basically, they took a, they made it shoot a smaller bullet so you could carry more in it and basically have less weight. It made the gun smaller and everything like that. But it was designed around a 20-round magazine. I don't think necessarily – and I've shot ARs. I've built an AR. I don't currently own one. I sold it a, a little while ago. But whenever – actually, before this shooting, so I guess I was a hipster in that notion now that everyone's selling theirs. But um, I, I like to shoot it with a 20-round magazine. It was lighter. It was easier for me to carry. Uh, if you were to tell me I couldn't own a 30-round magazine, I would not be offended by it because I could still shoot the gun. Um, you know, but going back to my original point with all of this, you know, I, I really do think that it's just the fact that it is very accessible for these shooters to uh, get a hold of the gun regardless of what it is. And um, – that's essentially what it is. I don't blame the gun for the shooting, but I, I do think that it's very easy for people to attain it. I absolutely blame the shooter for mass shootings. The same way, uh, you know, you blame a terrorist for a, a suicide bomb. You know, you don't blame the bomb, you blame the terrorist. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I tend to be, I, I, I do like the, the, the punishing the child example, and I tend to be in the camp. I think uh, there was a, a mega church pastor that brought this up because, you know, I deal in the, I deal in the, religious realm as a pastor. Um, and, and I, I talk with a lot of members about this. I talk with other pastors about this and, and, um, you know, people say the, the, the common phrase I hear is, uh, uh, it's a, it's a heart issue. It's a people issue. And I'm like, yeah, so is racism. And yet we still pass some laws to deal with that in our country. And sure, we're still dealing with, with the impact of racism in several areas of society, but in, we did a lot from the legal side to create, um, or to drive success in that area and in race relations and, and racial justice. So I, and we're still improving. And so I, I, you know, I kind of apply the same way, that same line of thought to guns. I just don't know what the, what the solutions are. Um, that's kind of where I'm stuck. And it seems like you're, you're similar, but you're from a, you're from the different perspective of someone who owns guns who, um, and responsibly and, uh, someone who's been involved with them for a lot of his life. Um, Exactly. Um, on that same note, you know, I, I hate to use this example. It's kind of crude, the same note as using race. Uh, but, you know, rape is a horrible thing and it happens, but you don't blame the woman for it. You blame the rapist for it, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same mentality here. Um, but that being said, I don't know if you know this, Ryan, but rape's illegal. No. Yeah. 
So it's we do need to put some type of laws in place. You know, I understand mass shootings are illegal. So everyone that's going to, you know, chime in here, maybe in the comment section and say, well, Austin, mass shootings are illegal. That's already a thing. Well, yeah, but it's it's the fact of let's make them harder to do. Essentially, that's what we're trying yeah, to get exactly. to. Um, I, you know, the, the way I'd like to, you said you don't necessarily want to make the process harder. I, I, I'd like to see a more responsible process, I think is how I would communicate it. A more responsible process for acquiring guns, um, for personal ownership. Um, I think that is actually the best way you could word it. I, I'm going to piggyback on that and say there should be accountability for the person that sold the firearm to that individual as well. Mm. So if I go to a store and I pass a background check, but maybe I go in there and I'm talking about like, so which gun has a better ability to kill a bunch of people all at once? And I just come across as a weirdo. Um, I'm sorry to use that term, but let's be real here. I think the store should be held responsible for selling that person a firearm. If it is then, you know, involved in some type of mass shooting the same way, you know, they can trace the gun back to the store. Mm. And I think that also goes back to the notion of private sales you know, I think a, since a lot of these guns that are used in mass shootings are purchased through private sale, you know, Ryan, if I sold you a gun and I know I've known you for years, decades, and if I knew you were an absolute lunatic, but I still sold you a gun, I personally should be held responsible for at least some portion of that. There should be some type of legal action that could be taken against me for selling you that firearm so that I think twice of, well, you know what? I need the money, but Ryan's a nut job. Mm. And, you know, Gotcha. We can all have that opinion of you regardless. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people do. It's fine. I got haters. Haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. So what are some things that you'd like to see happen with guns in this country? Yeah, like I said earlier, I think where we should start with this is making it. um, I'm all for what Florida is doing now with making it mandatory 21 years and up in order to uh, purchase a firearm. Um, You know, I think that you should absolutely have to go through some type of safety class that's another thing i failed to mention earlier ryan you having no experience never fired a gun could go purchase an ar-15 right now and uh, you don't have to even show that you know how to operate it i've had a i've had friends that have bought guns and said how do i clean this thing how do i take it off how do i turn the safety on does it have a safety like all all that stuff wow i think it should be required by law i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb and this is where i will get some haters here i think there should be a universal federal firearms license that everyone should be required to get. I don't think it should be incredibly hard to get the license. I think it should be a, you sit through an hour long safety class um, that teaches you, Hey, what are the four firearm safety rules, which as a concealed weapon permit holder, I can't name them all four of them off the top of my head. I'll be honest about it. I just know, you know, keep your, uh, there's a joke about it, you know, keep your booger hook off the bang switch until you're ready for it to go boom. That means keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. Yep. And, um, you know, always keep everything downrange. Uh, don't ever point your gun at something you're uh, you're not willing to destroy. I forget what the fourth one is, but we can move on from there. Um, I think there should be a required license that everyone gets. I think that you should be required to pass like a mandatory like background check of some kind, similar to I had to get my fingerprints done with my local police department it got submitted to the fbi and i was deemed not a terrorist not on a no-fly list or anything like that um not a felon and then i think there should be even the most basic psychic psychiatric evaluation i also think all of this should be paid for by the consumer um i don't i don't think that the uh the firearms license should go without expiring i think it's similar to a driver's license um 
So fun fact, my, uh, my concealed weapons permit, I don't think it expires until 2020. And, uh, I've, I, like I said, I've had it for a number of years. I'm 26. I've had it for five years and it won't expire for another two. Uh, that's seven years and a lot can happen to me in seven years. I could completely go off the deep end, right? I could be hoarding guns. I've got a concealed weapons permit, so I should absolutely be safe to sell a gun to, right? Wrong. I think it should be renewed every two years, if I have to say it. I don't think it should be a hard process. I think it should just be, let's do another background check on you, make sure nothing's happened, and maybe another psychic evalu- psychiatric, I keep calling it psychic, psychiatric evaluation. Um, I think it should be just like maybe a, a $25, $30 filing fee, whatever it costs to process those. Um, here comes the the finance side of me coming out, the whole economic side. I also think it's going to create jobs for people out there, right? That's true. So there's a lot of people that are going into the mental health space with a psychology degrees. Well, now we've created a whole new structure for them. They could be the evaluators for this. You're going to have to pay people to process these. You know, you're going to have to pay people to take the fingerprints and do all of that. It's it's not going to be the resolution to our economy situation right now, but it will create some jobs. Yeah. Um, so I think that is a good step. And then I can't remember if I'd already mentioned this in my rant, but going back to the, um, the requirement for private sales to go through a background check as well. I honestly think that would be a huge, huge, huge process improvement as well. Even if there's no, there's no registration list, even if it's just, I'm going to go so far as to say, let's call it the honor system saying that Ryan, if I want to sell a gun to you, um, I have, we have to go through an FFL. Even if you gave me the money, I gave you the gun. If you were to do something with that, well, Ryan, how'd you get a hold of the gun? Well, I bought it from Austin. Austin, you have to go through an FFL in order to sell Ryan this gun. I'm now accountable for that because technically that gun was still mine. Um, so even if it's an honor system and there's no registration for it, it still is a law that is put in place. It's kind of like saying, you know, um, Hey, if your friend gets in a car and you're the driver, you're, you're responsible if they're not wearing a seatbelt. You know, if I get pulled over, I'm getting the ticket for you not wearing a seatbelt because I should have been the one that's driving the car that says, hey, buckle up. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Um, now, I know this has come up on, on Facebook before. I've seen a hint of this talking about insurance. Um, uh-huh. What can you give me some some information on 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 kind of that suggestion? I know it's, I know it's a suggestion about um, a firearm owner insurance. So can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a thing already. It's been a thing for years. Um, what that is is that basically says if you're going to be a concealed weapons permit holder, uh, you should be required to purchase some type of liability insurance in case uh, something happens. That can be now what people are promoting it as. I don't think applies to the situation here. What it is advertised as is basically, hey, Austin, if you ever get in the situation where you have to pull your firearm out and shoot someone in self-defense, your insurance will pay for your legal fees and make sure you're taken care of because this was done in self-defense. What a lot of people don't know that kind of, uh, again, I like to use the word sexy. They think, oh, carrying a firearm sexy. It makes me Rambo. I'm kind of cool. Like I I can protect myself. What they don't know is if you ever have to actually use that in self-defense, it can ruin you absolutely ruin you. Even if, you know, I hate to use this example, but let's look at George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin. He had to go for months of paying his attorney. He had to get new suit. He had all of this stuff, court battles he had to do. He wasn't working at the time that could have financially ruined him in the end. And even though he was, and I'm not going to say my opinion on the case, I'm not looking for your opinion. I don't want to hear anybody's opinion on it. It's just what what happened. Yeah. He was found to be innocent. 
that could have still ruined him as a person. The average person out there cannot afford to pay those legal fees. And this is the financial advisor in me coming out there saying that like, look, if you don't even have two thousand, if you don't even have like two months worth of rent saved in your bank, uh, you should not be carrying a firearm in case something happens because you're not going to be able to afford to pay those legal fees. Uh, most attorneys out there in this situation, they're not going to tell you, oh, don't worry, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll charge the other person. The problem is it's not – for the people that are going to say, well, I shot the guy. He's dead. He can't fight me. Newsflash. He's not the one fighting you. It's his family that's going to be fighting you. And you killed that person. So you think they're going to be pretty pissed off. They're absolutely going to be pretty pissed off. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I digress on that. situation. No, <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, and I appreciate that. So if we if you, if you looked at like a federal firearms license, right, if you looked like a universal firearms license, um, if we if if there was. OK, so here's here's kind of where I'm thinking, right? We've talked about universal classes and things like that. Um, and. My thing is, yeah, the consumer would pay for them, but how do you start those? Where does the money come to start those classes? Um, because they've got to be obviously made available before anyone pays to to take them. Mm-hmm. So, so are you? Would you advocate for government giving a you know a package to help a, like loan to these to class runners or, or organizations to help put these on, and then they pay them back, or or how how do we fund um, how do we fund that from an economic standpoint? Do you think? Yeah. So that's actually an incredible question. To start, I'm going to say most of these classes are already being taught by your local gun store. Um, It's not something that's going to be, I would say, with the exception of maybe creating a basic outline, um, have that just be taxpayer funded. I'm going to go out there and say it. I don't think it's going to cost a lot. I think it's something that's just going to have to be passed through, called a bill that says, you know, hell, NRA, go out there and you guys create it if you want to. But I think that the classes, these places like Shoot Straight, Gander Mountain, they're already teaching some type of firearm safety class. You can get a certificate out there. The jobs that are going to be paid, I don't know how that's going to get going. I'm not going to pretend to understand how the government's going to pay for those, right? But I would think even if it was just something as simple as like a concealed weapons permit, you go, you take the class that the store is offering, you get your certificate, you mail it to the, uh, funny enough, the Department of Agriculture in the state of Florida. Um, in this case, they can even do it. It's a federal requirement, but it could be state run and operated if you wanted to. So the states can add on additional rules if they wanted to. Um, I would think let's look at it from the concealed weapons. I'll use the concealed weapons permit in the state of Florida. So I had to go take my class. It was an eight hour long class I took. You can do it realistically in about as short as an hour, but I wanted to take the extended one because I'm a nerd like that. And um, it was. I got my certificate. I got my fingerprints done. I did all that work, which was already in place, right? I just went to the police station. They had the little card that they did. I submitted it to the Department of Agriculture. Again, someone's already working there that's already in place. They're already processing things. I sent my check of $70 to have it processed as well as some additional fees that I had to pay with them. Um, And then it was about a a six-month wait before I got it back. I think right now, if you get it, it's about a a two-week wait before you receive it. So I, I realistically think it's already in place for a lot of these things. I know the state of New Jersey, just to own a firearm, you already have to have a a general firearms license as well. Um, So I think a lot of it could already be piggybacked off what's out there. I think just using what each state already has in place for a concealed weapons permit and just telling the person, hey, now we also do these licenses as well. Mm. I don't think it's going to be a big hurdle that we have to overcome with that. Gotcha. That's super helpful for me um, because I, this is a world that I've not entered ever. So any anything like this, the fact that a lot of this already exists and maybe could just be a tiny bit modified, uh, you know, curriculum modified, whatever, um, like that's super helpful to know. 
Um, <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna we're gonna kind of wind down here, and there's two questions. They're one, they're literally um, mirror a mirror of each other. So let's talk about this on a pragmatic conversation level. Um, how do you think those arguing for gun reform can more responsibly dialogue with gun owners? I'm going to start by saying just express the fact that you are for basically um, you're not looking to take their guns away. You're just wanting to make it harder for crazy people to obtain them. Um, a lot of people, they hear, oh, gun reform or gun control, and immediately they think, and I used to be this person as well. I used to be this person. They hear gun control, they think taking my guns away. Mm-hmm. No one is trying to take your guns away. I don't think we should ban AR-15s. I don't think we should ban AK-47s. Um, I don't think we should ban really you know, anything that we already have out there because the thing is they're already out there. You know, um, I think the people need to understand the terms that they're saying before you – I. Honestly, anything you hear on the news, just assume it's wrong as far as a term goes. <laughs> Do your own research. It's funny. You you hear people that they'll say like, uh, oh, there was an assault weapon that was used to shoot up this school or there was an assault rifle or something. And it turns out the, the guy went around stabbing yeah. people or something, right? Now, technically, you could say assault weapon, but that's not what they mean. I think just learning the basics of firearms from a – if you're for gun reform, just learn the basics. Learn how they operate. Maybe ask a friend if you know one that's into guns. Say, hey, can you teach me some firearm safety? Gun owners love to teach non-gun owners about guns. They really do. I've never met so when I go to the gun range, I mean, if there's someone next to me and I'm like, hey, what gun is that? Usually they'll let you shoot it. It's a trade-off. You shoot me out and I shoot you, I shoot yours. They're actually pretty friendly people. Yeah. I'm from the South. I get it. We're rednecks. You know, I, I absolutely get it. I grew up with my uh to give you kind of a background on my family, my dad and stepmom for their honeymoon went to a hunting camp. They both shot a deer, had it stuffed and mounted and gave it to each other as a present. That's the kind of family I grew up in. Um, <laughs> that being said, now I'm a financial advisor. I'm a little bit more white collar personally, but that's what I grew up in. Um, so I understand those are the people I grew up around and they are very friendly people. So if you're trying to have an argument with someone or we'll call it a debate with someone to say like, hey, I think we should absolutely change the gun laws. Don't say you want to ban this type of firearm because you're not going to get anywhere with them. Um, it's kind of the same argument on the flip side to that, which I assume is going to be your uh, your follow-up question to this, which is for the pro-gun people, how do they make their argument to the gun reform people to say like, hey, these are fine. Yep. Um, it's the same way for them saying like, oh, we should legalize every single type of firearm. That's not going to happen either. We're not, we're not taking away all the guns, but we're also not going to make them all legal. Um, that one is actually harder for me to do because I've, mm. I've been on that side of the fence. I've tried to make my friends more aware of firearms and the, that they are actually fun. And I always say like, if anyone truly wants to know, I will take you shooting. I'll take you out to the gun range. Like it's an expensive hobby to get into a gun range trip is easily two or 300 bucks, but you know, if it's your first time going, I'm willing to eat the cost. If you're really saying, I want to learn about this, I'm I'm not offering that to everyone listening here. Sorry to burst your bubble, but, um, you know, just for a select few friends of mine. (laughs) And, um, there's been plenty of people that I've taken out that they said, I've never shot a gun before. I don't understand how they work. I've taken them. They've shot me go, Oh, I, I get it. I actually see why this was kind of fun to do. I understand. I understand it just from, um, the enjoyment standpoint of it, you know? So but the struggle with that is 
as a gun owner, as someone that is very pro Second Amendment and says, I, I do think everyone, with the exception of the crazy people, should have the right to own a firearm. I don't know how to break it through to the people on the other side because I've been trying to do it. I have not been able to do it successfully. Um, there's I, the people that are kind of the middle ground like me. Mm. I think that those are people that I can say like, hey, you know, just hear, hear me out, hear my standpoint, and they will absolutely listen to me. Um, but the problem is, and this goes back to it's not a thing, it's not an object, it's a, it's a people issue. If the person is not willing to listen with an open mind, they're not going to hear what you have to say anyways. So the entire debate that you're having is completely irrelevant. Yeah. Well, and I think I think part of it, too, is uh, it, it helps if you have a personal relationship with a person. Our, you know, Facebook provides the uh, the ability <laughs> to argue by proxy. Right. So I can if you, if, if you, it's your status. I can argue with your friends through your status. Um, you know, and they're not going to listen to me because I'm just a stranger. So I do think that, you know, staying in your lane, <laughs> talking with people that you know, um, can be helpful. But the other thing is, you know, this entire episode is happening because I see, I, I legitimately just said, Hey, can you educate me on some of this stuff? Like, I, I, I wish we would ask more questions before we just jump to opinions. Um, I think that would that would go a long way. But I would love to just see more responsible dialogue from both sides so that we can come to some agreements and remember that we're fighting for um, the same thing, which is people to be alive <laughs> at the end of the day. I absolutely agree with you on that. Like, yeah, at the same like I want people look, I want people to own guns if 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 um, if they can own them responsibly. I have no problem with it to this day. Someone owning a gun has ever been scary to me. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time. Um, I would like to make it really hard for crazy people to get guns. Uh, so I, I, I would like it to be impossible for them, but I, you know, that's a perfect world sort of thing. Um, but you know, and one last suggestion I would make just from personally is I wish we would stop treating the person we're talking to as the extreme example of the opinion they hold. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I talk with someone who just is talking about gun control and I assume that they're talking about taking away my guns and I say, well, I'm not talking about you. you're talking about the person who wants to. OK, well, that's not me. So treat me with the or for the opinions that I hold, not the opinions you think I hold. Um, and I feel like that might um, make a big difference, too. And I think that happens on an individual level. So when I say that and, and people think, well, not everyone's going to do that. If just one person does that at a time, if just one person j- decides to responsibly dialogue um, at a time, I think that that change does happen on the individual level. So, um, but Austin, I want to thank you so much for coming on this podcast and 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 helping me understand so much more about this. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to share for listeners uh, before we head off? Yeah, absolutely. So, final thoughts for me is essentially do do your due diligence on this. If you're on the fence and you say, "I don't really know how I feel. I don't know if how I feel this way or that way." Um, before you get out there on the websites that are like anti-gun.com or super pro second amendment.com, like those are going to be very, very biased one way or another. Do your due diligence. Don't believe everything you read on Facebook. Don't believe everything you read on the news. You know, memes are great. They don't carry really valid information on that. Um, look it up for yourself. If you're unsure, talk to both sides. If you're on the fence of, I don't know if I should feel this way, left or right, you know, talk to someone on the left, talk to someone on the right, form your own opinion. There's truth on both sides. There's also, I don't want to say lies on both sides, but there's some misconceptions on both sides as well. Absolutely. Um, so do your, own, do your own research on that. Um, and just keep in mind that it's, there's a lot of things out there that the media has promoted that, you know, are 
not necessarily true one way or another. You know, that would, that would kind of be where I would end things there on that. Uh, other than that, final thoughts that I have would be, uh, you know, don't do drugs and invest wisely. <laughs> but not in drugs. Don't invest not in drugs. drugs. Unless we're talking, you know, like pharmaceutical companies. And even then I stay gotcha. away from that. So, you know, I had a friend, um, this is completely after I had a friend of mine that was, uh, that was doing nursing in college. You know, this friend, but I'm not going to say his name. Um, <laughs> And uh, we used to make up on the spot. We used to tell people that he was majoring in street pharmacy. I like it. Uh, and we would basically describe the entire process of selling illegal drugs, but we would use phrases and terminology that made it seem like it was like a legit thing. And they would look at us like wide-eyed, like, wow, I've never heard of that. That sounds so fancy and, and awesome and like this whole new world. And we're like, no, we're talking about selling drugs. Like, this isn't <laughs> <laughs> like, you should, come on, it's street pharmacy. Uh, so, but yeah, so pharmaceuticals are cool, but not street pharmaceuticals. Yeah. So kids stay away from drugs. Yeah, it's kind of funny there. Speaking of fancy terms, I like to use the example just to mess with people occasionally and say, "Oh my gosh, like I can't believe my friend. He's he's got a drinking problem. Like, well, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, he drinks dihydrogen monoxide all the time. <laughs> Sounds super fancy, right? That's uh, for those of you listening, Google it. It's a uh, it's a very deadly, deadly drink out uh, there. It's, um, it's present in a hundred percent of people who die. Yeah, yeah, 100% of people that die have it. Your body might actually does have it in you right now, and you probably don't even know it. Uh, so definitely do your research on that. But that right there is a, the best example of a kind of like as an example that I can say of um, an assault weapon or an assault rifle, right? Dihydrogen monoxide. Hmm. Look it up. Gotcha. Other than that, Ryan, you know, I, I appreciate you having me on here. Um, I've got nothing else unless you have any other questions for me. Nope, that's it. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate this. I've learned a ton and I feel like I can have better conversations about this now. So thank you. Um, and if I ever have gun questions again, I may have you back on here. So really appreciate you, man. Take care. Absolutely. You take care as well. So there you have it, our conversation with Austin Holloway about guns. I hope you learned something. I know I learned a lot. There's a couple of those things I already knew, but for the most part, about 99% of that conversation was uh, new information for me. So it's really helpful, and I believe that being more informed does help us have better conversations. And so I hope this is true for you as well. Enjoy uh, the rest of your week. We'll be back next week with another episode of Absurdity. And just to let you know before we take off, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. If you want to support the, the podcast in any way, that is the best way to do it. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please, please, please leave a review. And also we have a Facebook page now, facebook.com slash absurdity podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening to Absurdity, for supporting us, and we will see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.